And the topic of the message is, is life an accident? Could life be an accident? Why is it so important that we study this? Why is it so important that we know these things? There are three reasons. One is because you're going to have a skeptic somewhere in your future that's going to ask you or tell you, well, you know what? I understand what you're saying about the Bible, and I understand what you're saying about a creator, but science says this. And then you may come across people who are even more antagonistic and say that, you know, well, how can you believe that old, antiquated book that's nothing but a bunch of fairy tales? How can you really believe that something out there that we, you would call God could actually create this magnificent being that we have in life? It's important that we have a reason to answer the critics and the genuine skeptics, the genuine um, non-believers who have genuine questions. So that's the first thing. We're going to come across skeptics. Two, it'll strengthen our own foundation. It will embolden us to stand up for what we believe in. And three, it builds our own spiritual immune system. I had a friend of mine who was a Christian, attends church every Sunday, brings his kids to Sunday school, and he was having a back and forth on Facebook with this militant atheist who was throwing around all kinds of intellectually sounding arguments, and my friend's faith was shaken. He was like, well, Kobe, he's like, you know, it sounds plausible. It sounds like it's possible, the things that he's saying, and then I, I opened up to him and I, I read to him Colossians chapter 2, verses 8, and it says, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. And just, just as a testament to the life-giving power of one scripture, that changed him back, back and got him on the path of, what was I thinking? Of course, of course there has to be a God. Of course there has to be a creator. So those are the three, three reasons why I believe it's important. We're going to come across skeptics. It builds our own personal foundation. And it gives us a spiritual immunity to the things that would try to shake our faith. Tonight, we're going to look at four topics that I believe show us, without a doubt, that life could not have occurred by random chance. It couldn't have. The first thing we're going to look at is DNA. Okay? DNA is called the language of life. It was discovered in 1953. And indeed, DNA is the universal language of life. Bacteria have DNA. Yeast have DNA. Peaches have DNA. Possums have DNA. And so do people. It is the basic information of all life. And not only is it the basic information of life, but its arrangement and how it's, a, it's arranged is so specific and so precise that if there is the slightest variation, I'm talking about just a slight variation in the DNA code of a living being, that thing becomes mutated. If the variation is big enough, it dies. It ceases to be. DNA is a very, very precise uh, language of information for life. You see, variation and mutation 
is a non-starter for life. No random mutations could ever lead to life. Now you see all of the DNA that we have, which is the basic information for all life that we know, all the, the, the DNA of a being and all the DNA of a human is called its genome, okay? The human genome stacks up to be about 3.1 billion rungs of DNA consecutively. All of them have to be in perfect sequence with no variation. We see that life cannot just exist. Life cannot just stumble upon itself into existence. It takes information. And not only just any random information, very precise information has to be there for life to, to even come into being. Life at its very root takes this information, which is stored in DNA. Even the avowed atheist, Richard Dawkins, had to admit that the machine code of the gene, now all a gene is, is a collection of DNA. The machine code of the gene is uncannily computer-like. Then he goes on to say that the appearance of design is just an illusion. Now, some would say that that conclusion is a delusion, that because it looks uncannily computer-like, that, hey, that's just an illusion of design. Some would take, take uh, umbrage with that. Anybody in here know Bill Gates? Know who Bill Gates is? The founder of Microsoft wrote all kind of crazy computer codes and software. Bill Gates said this about human DNA. Human DNA is like a computer program, but far, far more complex than any software ever created. You see, every experience that we have with information, every experience, whether it be computer code, whether it be books, whether it be hieroglyphics, whether it be cave paintings, all point toward intelligence. This is an interesting fact. Even if the entire earth was filled with amino acids, amino acids are the building blocks of DNA. It's the things that have to be connected to form a chain of DNA. Even if the entire earth would, be, would have been filled in the beginning with amino acids, it would take, or it would be, 10 to the 40,000th power chance. That means 1 to the 10th the, the chance with 40,000 zeros behind it. 1 chance in 10 with 40,000 zeros behind it that it could randomly form to produce life. And not only life, but even the simplest, small, smallest building block of life, which is the cell. It's incredibly and astronomically improbable that that could ever happen. Matter of fact, I, I heard those same chances put together this way, that if you would take a tornado and pass it through a junkyard, the same probability of life and DNA randomly coming together and forming information needed for life, the same probability would be of that would be a tornado going through a junkyard and randomly piecing together a fully functional Boeing 747 filled with fuel and ready for takeoff. What are the chances? Say, say given it a million times. You pass a tornado through a junkyard a billion times, a trillion times. Could you ever produce such a design of a fully functional jet filled with gas and ready for takeoff? I say that is astronomically improbable. And I would go even a step further. I would say it's impossible. 
okay? It would be impossible, in my opinion. We see that it would take way, way more faith to believe that DNA could randomly come together and form life rather than having an, uh, an intelligent being put it together. That's the first topic we looked at tonight, DNA and the improbability of it just forming to have life without something or someone behind it pushing it forward that had enough intelligence to say, this sequence will produce life. This sequence, this sequence will be mutated and will never produce life. DNA, that's the first thing we looked at tonight. The second thing we're going to look at is a term called irreducible complexity. That sounds like a big word, but all irreducible complexity really means is it refers to the fact that it takes all components of something to make it function. You can't have one piece here, then it, it go and it's functioning, then have another piece and add another piece and it functions. Irreducible complexity tells it that it takes all components of something to make it function. You know, it's a perfect example of irreducible complexity. My watch right here. What would happen if my watch, if I were to remove the battery? Would it function? No. What would happen if I were to remove one spring from this fully functional watch? One spring. Would it function? No. What would happen if I were to remove the sprocket from it? Just one sprocket. Would it function? No. My watch is irreducibly complex. It takes all of the components of this watch to make it work, to make it function. The cell. The, the, the cell that we have, all the, 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 Jim, how many cells we have in the human body? You, you're the numbers man. You know it's... The cell, 37 trillion cells in our, in our body. The cells of all living things are irreducibly complex. The cell, which is the smallest unit of life that can replicate, we find an integrative, complex system that includes signal transduction, sophisticated motors, and all types of biological circuitry. If you remove just one part of the cell, the whole cell ceases to be. It cannot function in part, just as a whole, just like this watch on my wrist. The, the, the human cell is the same way. It needs all of its components there at the exact same time, working together to make it function. Interesting quote from Darwin in his manifesto of the origin of species. Darwin said this, if it could be demonstrated that any complex organ existed which could not possibly have formed by numerous successive slight modifications, my theory would absolutely break down. And I want to repeat that again for emphasis for us tonight. This is what Darwin said. If it could be demonstrated that any complex organ existed which could not have possibly been formed by numerous, successive, slight modifications, my theory would absolutely break down. The fact is, we don't need to look at an organ tonight because we have the building blocks of the organs themselves, the cell, the simplest building block of any system. You take away the mitochondria from a cell, it ceases to be. You take away the ribosomes from a cell, it will not function, it will die. You take away the nucleus from that cell, and it automatically withers. There is no production, there is no function, there is no furtherance of the cell if you don't have all things together at the exact same time. 
It's impossible for the cell to mutate to perfection. Given a billion years or not, you can give it a trillion years, it would still be impossible for the cell to mutate itself to perfection. According to Darwin, life just randomly mutated until perfection occurred. You see, this notion and this concept was immeasurably easier to buy into when they believed that the cell was just a blob of plasma. That's all they knew it to be. That's all, that's all scientific uh, and, and, and technological advancement allowed for at that time. Just a blob of plasma. However, in a little irony in this too, with the advances in science and technology, we now know that the cell is irreducibly complex. This forces the question, how did these biochemical machines occur? In the light of modern science, the question gives Darwinian evolutionists a headache, to say the least. Whenever we see irreducible, irreducible complexity in systems and in technology, i.e. my watch, we know how they arose. Think about this. Even if you had all the components to this watch set upon a table and just sitting there, and a trillion years transpired, would those components be able to simultaneously and just automatically put themselves together and come together and make a fully functional watch by themselves? Of course not. What would it take? It would take a watchmaker, somebody who knew the system and knew how all these things function together and piece it together one by one by one and make a productive watch. Invariably, every time we see irreducible complexity, a designer is the cause. Every single time. There's no way around that. We looked at DNA. We looked at irreducible complexity. The third thing I want us to, to look at tonight is uh, the Cambrian explosion. With some, um, some uh, geologist and paleontologist call the biological Big Bang. Okay? This looks at the fossil record. Our known fossil records that are on the books right now. According to Darwinian evolution, all living creatures descended from one common ancestor. And natural selection drove the eventual development of countless organisms that we have today in the world. Live science says of Darwinian evolution, it turns dinosaurs into birds, apes into humans, and amphibious mammals into reptiles. To depict this, evolution and this changing of kinds, Darwin produced this tree of life. And this tree of life, basically what it was is the trunk was the common ancestor. And as evolution occurred and complexity and diversity began to come up from this common ancestor, it produces branches and limbs and twigs. And, and still today, in any high school textbook, you're going to see Darwin's tree of life represented as evolutionary fact. This is the origin of species. This is how we all came to be. However, the fossil record, not the speculation, not the theory, but the actual evidence of the fossil record completely refuted Darwin's theory. It completely refuted it. Darwin said during his day that um, eventually, he knew, it didn't, he knew the fossil record during his time did not support his theory. However, he, he said that in the future generations, whenever we've found more fossils, 
that the fossil record would then verify and back up his theory, okay? It's been 150 years, and quantum leaps in our ability to detect fossils and find fossils in, in our growth in archaeology has just exploded. Just like every other arena of technology and science, everything has grown, so has archaeology. And the fact of the matter is, the evidence is still the same. The Cambrian explosion, we see a huge jump in complexity of, of fossil forms. In, 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 the, in this explosion, we see that it is sudden and there is absolutely no transitional intermediates between fossil forms. We see a sudden infusion of new body plans on the fossil record. The animal fossils that we have appear suddenly and fully developed. Most paleontologists have called the Cambrian explosion the single most spectacular phenomenon in the fossil record. It is my opinion that no one objectively looking at the fossil record could realistically claim that Darwin's representation could even be close to reality. After all, think about this. If we did indeed descend from a common ancestor, the fossil record should be replete with transitional fossils. In other words, we should have everywhere in the fossil records, evidences in the fossils of dinosaurs transforming into birds, amphibious mammals transforming into reptiles, apes transforming into humans. But the fact remains, we have not one. Not a single transitional fossil has ever been found that would support Darwin's tree of life of a common ancestor then spreading out to all known organisms, all known species, all known kinds of, of, of life. It just doesn't happen. The Cambrian explosion or the biological Big Bang has completely uprooted Darwin's tree of life. It provides not only a negative case against Darwin, but a compelling case for design. That's the third thing I want to talk about tonight. The first thing was DNA. The second was the, um, the irreducible complexity. And the third one we just talked about was the Cambrian explosion, our actual uh, factual fossil record. The fourth thing I want us to, to look at tonight is human consciousness. Humans have, humans have a conscience. Whether we admit it or not, somewhere deep down inside, we know right from wrong. We have the capacity for self-reflection. We have the capacity for morality, for language, for creativity, for representational art. Science cannot account for these things being by merely pointing to the physical matter of our brain. It, do, it doesn't connect. They can't answer for it. Let's take one example of this, okay? And that's a sense of morality, a sense of, a sense of what's right and what is wrong. Where did that come from? How did that just happen? We see that one of the most common arguments that you will hear from atheists against God is the presence of evil in the world. They will say because evil exists, there can't be any such being as God, at least not a good God like the Bible would tell us. Therefore, there is no God. Evil exists in the world. However, what they fail to realize and is so short-sighted is that their argument shoots the assumption in the foot by acknowledging the difference between good and evil. Go with me here. Think about this. If we are merely products of unguided, blind evolution, 
and we're moved forward by the survival of the fittest. Why would it be wrong to kill off an entire population of men, women, and children merely because they have the resources that me and mine need to survive? Why would that be wrong? Why would it be wrong to enslave a whole group of people to have them farm the life-giving resources necessary to sustain the life of you and yours? Why would it be wrong for Hitler to kill 11 million people who were weaker than the German nation? I mean, it's survival of the fittest, no? Why would that be wrong then? However, the fact is, most atheists and most evolutionists would all agree that those things are wrong. Those things are absolutely wrong. How could you do such atrocities? Where did that come from? Who said certain things are morally right or morally wrong? The fact that they attest to these these things as being evil or morally wrong is evidence that there is indeed a moral law. And if there is a moral law that necessitates a moral law giver, there is no way around it. There's absolutely no way around it. We'd have to have one who transcends all and dictates what is right and wrong to us. We can deny it all we want, but our conscience tells us differently. Human consciousness dictates that there is one greater than us who put it there. Let's go back to the 19th century when Darwin did a study. The culture of that day was ripe for Darwin's silly speculations. His ideas exploded upon the scenes with the force of an earthquake and set the world ablaze. His explanation that all things arising from natural causes made the necessity of a creator obsolete. No longer did they need to have the explanation of a creator or a God to explain the existence of life on the earth. For the first time, a secular and a godless worldview was thrust upon the scene. And oh, how man was ready to adopt that. He was so ready to adopt a view that pushed God off the top and put man at the top of the chain. You see, no account, no God means no accountability. No accountability means no judgment. You see, Karl Marx stated that religion is the opiate for the masses. Well, I would personally retort to Karl Marx and say that Darwinian evolution is the opiate for man's soul. Man has clung to these silly notions as just that. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, and there are no repercussions. There are no higher power that I would have to answer to. And isn't that still the cry of carnal man? To live life as if there is no no accountability? You know, that may be sunshine and flowers for a little while. That is until you take your last breath. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 22. Romans 1, 18 through 22. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, 
nor were they thankful and became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. It's my notion that today on planet Earth, there are no atheists. Today on planet Earth, there are no atheists. There are only rebels. Only rebels exist who deny the existence of a creator God. Tonight we looked at the astronomical improbability, and I would say impossibility, of DNA randomly forming the information of life. We looked at the irreducible complexity of the simplest and most basic form of life, the cell. We looked at the fossil record that shows beyond all doubt that evolution is a farce. We looked at our consciousness of right and wrong. Someone or something put that moral awareness there. In my humble opinion, to any objective observer, these prove that indeed life has been designed. And if life has been designed, there has to be a designer. His name is Jesus. The designer's name is Jesus. For in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst men. And He gave the right to whoever would come to Him to become the children of God. And whomsoever would call upon His name shall be saved. You see, folks, we don't learn these things. The, 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 these checklists, the DNA, the irreducible complexity, the Cambrian explosion, the human consciousness. We don't learn these things to win a debate with people. Although I assure you, if you learn these things, no atheist, no evolutionist will, will be able to stand before you in a debate with the lies of evolution. They will not be able to stand before you with the truth of the actual evidence of what we have. But we don't learn those things to win a debate. We learn these people, we learn these things to lead people to the truth. And Jesus is that truth. And we know these things to lead them to Jesus so that they may be saved. Amen. Well, y'all, tonight's going to be a short one. We're going to be out at church early here tonight. So I just, uh, just want to thank y'all for listening. Go back because it was so short. Go back on the podcast, listen to the points. Get, the, get this information down, write it down, take your notes, put it to memory. Because I assure you, you're going to have people coming to you and, tell, and, and saying, well, listen, what about Darwin's theory of evolution? What about the tree of life? What about transitional fossils? You know, we, we, have, we have these, uh, these things in the Smithsonian of cavemen and whatnot, not even knowing that's, that's merely a stuffed human. You know what I mean? So when we have the, the proper knowledge, we can come to people and say, listen, that's what they say. But let me, let me tell you the truth. And let me show you why Darwinian evolution is wrong and why life could not have just stumbled upon itself. Why it's absolutely impossible that life would just so happen to be. It's an impossibility. And we know the truth. And the truth sets people free. Amen? Let us pray. Father, we just come before you this evening, Lord God, and we just thank you for the truth of your creation, Lord God. For your creation testifies indeed to you being the creator, O oh Lord. So we just thank you, Father God, and Lord, just ingrain these truths deep within our soul, Lord God, deep within our spirit, so that we may present them to people who may have genuine questions 
or we may answer the militant atheist, Lord God, with the truth. And Lord, we just give you the honor and the glory here tonight, Lord God, and we just say, have your will and have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate it.